1 Kings chapter 19, while you're turning there, a little bit of context before we dive in straight into chapter 19. Um, There's a king of Israel at this time. His name is Ahab. And there's a prophet over the land of Israel at this time. His name is Elijah. Ahab is a wicked man. He does not believe in the true God of Israel. Um, He has many pagan prophets, and they all worship this false god, the god called Baal. Elijah is the prophet over Israel at this time. He is a good, godly guy, righteous guy, serving the true God of Israel, the true God, Yahweh. And they don't get along. They don't like each other, Ahab and Elijah. And so what Elijah does is he goes to this mountain called Mount Carmel, and he and Ahab have a little throwdown here. He says, listen, Ahab, let's decide who the true God is, whether it's Baal the God that you serve, or whether it's Yahweh, the God that you serve. And what we're going to do here is you have your 400 plus pagan prophets build up an altar for your God, Baal. I will then build an altar for the true God of of Israel, Yahweh. We're going to have this little competition here. You sacrifice a bull, set it upon your altar, and if your God, Baal, consumes it with fire from above, then, then Baal is God. But then if my God does the same thing I'm asking him to do, I sacrifice a bull, put it upon the altar, and the Lord consumes my altar with fire from above, then he is God. So we're going to settle this today. Is Baal God or is, or is God, the God of Israel, is he the true God? Let's settle this. So they agree. They say, sounds great. So the 400 pagan prophets of Ahab, they do this very thing. They build an altar. They sacrifice a bull on top of the altar, and for hours, they call upon their God and ask him to consume the altar with fire. For hours, nothing's happening. They even begin cutting themselves a pagan ritual. They're crying out to their God, Baal, please consume our altar with fire. Please prove that you are the true God. Nothing happens. Elijah even starts to mock them. It's hilarious. Then Elijah says, okay, now it's my turn. After a few hours of this, nothing's happening. Let's, let's try this. So he builds an altar, puts 12 stones resembling the 12 tribes of Israel, sacrifices a bull on top of the wood of the altar, even digs a trench around the altar, and he asks the pagan prophets, uh, fill this trench and fill and pour water onto the altar four times. We don't want any, you know, just to leave no doubt, let's pour water over the whole thing. And then they do that. They follow Elijah's instructions. Then Elijah calls upon the true God of Israel. He says, God, please prove yourself to these people. Show up and consume this altar. It's an amazing thing. Fire from heaven literally comes down, consumes the altar, licks up the water, leaves nothing but the dirt underneath. And then they are floored. The people of Israel then, who were following this pagan god Baal, they renounce him, they reject him, they, tr- they follow the true God of Israel, repent of their sin, it's an amazing thing. Well, Ahab's wife, Jezebel, gets word of this, and she is furious. Old Jezzy, she does not like this. So she then says, Elijah, I'm going to put a hit on your life, I will see that you are dead by tomorrow. So this is where we pick up, read with me now, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all of the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. 
And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went into the strength, in the strength of the, of, the, of the food forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, well, I've been very zealous for you, Lord, the God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he, being God, said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And he repeats again, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. We're going to pause there in our Bible study. We'll pray, and we'll talk about what this means. Lord, we come before you tonight. We dedicate our Bible study to you. We ask that you would teach us, Lord, and that you would just show up, Lord. We call upon the same God that Elijah called upon thousands of years ago and ask you to show up in our lives and ask you to do a wonderful work in our lives, Lord. And we pray that we would be receptive to what you would teach us, Lord, that you would convict us, that you would encourage us. We love you, Lord. We are so grateful for your love. We are overwhelmed by your love, Lord. So tonight, we just, we're here to study. We're here to learn more about you. We're here to grow in the knowledge and grace of our, of our Lord Jesus. So we pray that you would just be with us now. We commit our Bible study to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So we're going to take the fi- next 15 minutes uh, to talk about loneliness. I want to talk to you tonight about loneliness. The title of our message tonight is Embracing Loneliness. Embracing loneliness. This is what Elijah repeats two times. I am all alone. I am all alone. Embracing loneliness. How many of you, by show of hands, have heard of the term quarter-life crisis? Quarter-life crisis. Okay, a couple of you, which probably means you are in one right now. Uh, So it's not a midlife crisis, you know, in your 40s and 50s. This is a quarter-life crisis. Um, It's an increasingly uh, popular phrase. Um, And it's a phenomenon that really can strike you anytime between your 20s, your early 30s. Uh, And it's essentially the the realization that you've reached the age by which you assumed you would have it all figured out 
but you don't. Uh, This uh, creeps up around birthdays, around New Year's Day. It rears its head. Anytime you see on social media someone that you went to high school with uh, got married or got a job promotion or is having kids or even someone who has the audacity just to post a photo with them smiling. Um, So you can just... You start to just feel lonely in these moments, this quarter-life crisis. So in this uneasy realization that comes, um, when you just take stock of everything, the people around you, the, the places around you, the relentless routine of work and washing dishes and, and doing more work, you just start to ask yourself, is this all there is? Is this what life is about? The networking website LinkedIn found that 75% Okay, 75% of 25 to 33-year-olds report having a quarter-life crisis, all right? Alone with the quarter-life crisis, one can feel rootless, rootless, basically feeling like you don't fit in anywhere, you don't, you don't belong, where is your home? Uh, can, you can feel paralyzed. Um, whom should I date? Um, where should I work? Um, whom should I marry? And this is really just the, the paralysis of adulting. We can feel unable to make decisions because there are so many paths to choose from. And then it just begins to paralyze us because we're not even sure where we're going in life or what is our goal or, or our aim in life. And we have a few different options. And even though those options overwhelm us, we don't want to let go of those options because we, 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 don't, we, have, we have a fear that we're going to miss out, or we have a fear that we're going to let some good opportunity go, so we keep all of these options in front of us and worry and have fear and anxiety over, what, okay, what is, where, where am I going in life? And so it can be really paralyzing. And the third thing that can take place after just feeling kind of this quarter-life crisis is loneliness. And this is what I want to hit on in our next 10 minutes or so, loneliness. As we move through our 20s, our early 30s, we basically just start to see our relationships, our friendships in this state of flux because the relationships you once had, maybe in high school or in college, you know, relationships and friendships, those move on. People get new hobbies. People get new boyfriends, new girlfriends. People move on. And you start to figure, you know, where do I fit into all of this? We're not, we're not sure exactly where life is headed. And the dynamics of this just proved to be frustrating, and eventually most of us reach a point where we look around and we really ask, okay, where did even all my friends go? We're not even sure who our friends are, where our relationships are, and so we start to feel lonely. In one recent study, more people in their 20s reported feeling lonely than did those 75 and older. More people in their 20s reported feeling lonely than did those 75 years and older. So tonight, if you can relate to this in any way, maybe you don't even have a quarter-life crisis, okay, maybe it's not that dramatic, but maybe you've experienced just feelings of loneliness, then I want you to key in. Many people in the Bible felt lonely. Many people in the Bible felt lonely. Noah felt lonely building the ark. Moses, in his 40 years of wilderness wandering, felt lonely. Jesus felt lonely. Peter felt lonely. John, when he was exiled to the island of Patmos, he felt lonely. Paul, when he was imprisoned, felt lonely. So if you feel lonely, you are not alone. If you feel lonely, you are not alone in feeling that. So here we come to a guy named Elijah. And Elijah basically, after this showdown on Mount Carmel, gets word that now Jezebel, the king's wife, wants his life 
and puts a hit on his life, and he runs away. He flees. He's scared, which honestly boggles my mind because he just, showed, he just saw the Lord show up in this miraculous way, consuming his altar full of fire from heaven, but then he's scared of a king's wife and runs away. And so then it, the Bible tells us that he goes and he hides in a cave and he basically cries out to the Lord, Lord, I feel all alone in this journey, in my pursuit after you, in my pursuit after righteousness, in my pursuit after holiness. I feel alone. I'm the only one left. And then the Bible says that the Lord passed by and the mighty wind came and it struck the mountain. But it says that the Lord was not in the wind. Then the Bible says that an earthquake came. The Bible says that the Lord was not in the earthquake. Then while Elijah is in the cave, a fire then comes. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the fire. But then the Bible says in this still, small voice, the Lord was present and Elijah heard God speak. And a lot of times what I find is that in our times of loneliness, When we say, Lord, are you still with me? Lord, do you care about my life's direction? Lord, are you with me? We oftentimes seek the miraculous. We want him to show up in big, mighty ways, which occasionally God does. But I find that God most wants to reveal himself to us with his still, small voice. If you've experienced feelings of loneliness, maybe just in your career path or your relationship status, I don't know what maybe has brought those feelings of loneliness to your heart, to your mind. Know that the Lord is whispering to you, but are you listening to that still, small voice of the Lord? And you might say, well, I just feel like I'm the only Christian at work. I'm the only Christian at my school. I'm the only Christian at home. And let me just say that if you've ever experienced feelings of loneliness, it is normal. It is normal. All right? A lot of times when we feel lonely, we feel like we are all alone in our loneliness, and that is 100% not the case. It is normal to feel lonely, and here are two things, two ways that we can com- two two ways people often combat their feelings of loneliness. Either one, they try to fight it and try to fit in. They try to fight it, fight their feelings of loneliness and fit in because what oftentimes happens is when we feel lonely, we resort back to our old crowds. When we feel lonely, we resort back to the old crowds that were against God, that weren't following God, but at least we're accepted. At least we feel like we're a part of some kind of a team. So we fight our feelings of loneliness and we try to fit in or what you can do is embrace it. Embrace it. Instead of, instead of fighting it, trying to fit in, embrace it, standing out, standing up for things of the Lord, reaching out to hear his still small voice because he is whispering to you today, I am with you. I am with you. Embrace the loneliness, expect the loneliness. When you resolve in your hearts to follow after the things of the Lord, you will feel lonely. Expect it, embrace it. When you're at work and you feel like you're the only Christian, embrace it, expect it. When you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at home and you feel like I'm the only one, embrace it, expect it. Don't try to fight it and fit in, but stand up, stand out for the Lord and resolve in your hearts, listen, I'm not gonna compromise on my morals just for the sake of fitting in. Embrace the loneliness. It's normal, it's all right. The Bible says that when we follow things of righteousness, when we follow the Lord, it's gonna be a lonely journey. It's gonna be a lonely path. 
So expect it. It's all right. But listen, Jesus' last words after he rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven, you know what he told his disciples in Matthew 28? He says, surely I am with you always. Surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And then he gave his disciples, he told them, stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to empower you, to comfort you, to counsel you. The Lord also says, Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm coming again. The Lord is with you. So when you feel alone, know you're not alone because Jesus is with you. Just let these verses just kind of saturate over your mind and your heart. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, this is God speaking, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is what God told Joshua in Joshua 1.5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And this is what David says in Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. At school, he's with you. At work, he's with you. At home, he's with you. In your anger, he's with you. In your crisis, he's with you. In your questions, he is with you. But I want to challenge you tonight. Get alone with the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be sensitive to hear your still, small voice. I want to be sensitive to hear your still, small voice. We have gotten away from trying to hear the Lord's still, small voice because we are so distracted by the loud noise of our culture, of our society, and of our world. And when we allow the loud noise of our culture, it can be easy to allow God's voice to just simply drown out. No wonder we feel lonely because we're not listening to the Lord. We're not just staying before the Lord, just be still. You know, I think of that story in Mark when Jesus calmed the waters when the disciples were in this storm and the waves were pouring into their boat. And that's what you might feel like tonight. Maybe the waves of the sea are just pouring into your life and you feel overwhelmed. You feel like you're drowning in loneliness. You feel like you're drowning in, in just a crisis. Maybe you feel like you're drowning in anxiety. I don't know. But then the Lord comes and he says, peace, be still. And the disciples are amazed. They say, even the wind and the waves obey him. So if you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, the storms of anxiety, the storms of loneliness, the storms of stress are overwhelming me, what God is telling you is, let, is just be still, peace, let me calm your storms, let me fight your battles, you need only to be still. So we need to get back to hearing the still, small voice of the Lord, just getting alone with him and just saying, Lord, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't get this whole book all the time and I don't get life. And I don't get why I feel the way I feel sometimes, Lord, but you're bigger than all of my questions. And you can speak to me through your word. And so I'm just going to be still before you and I'm just going to have you minister to my heart. Maybe read the Psalms, turn on some worship music and just let the Lord and his spirit just completely pour over you and just embrace the loneliness And know that in this life, when you resolve in your hearts to stand up for the Lord and for biblical values and to stay strong in your relationship with the Lord, it's going to be a lonely journey. That's why we have each other too. That's why we gather on Monday nights to encourage each other. Just so we have a room of 
hundred or so people saying, listen, you're not alone. You're not alone in this world. I'm here for you. Pray together. Be honest with each other. Pray together and just say, Lord, I just, I invite you to speak to me. I want to hear your still small voice. And the Lord says, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray for anyone right now, maybe who's just, who just has feelings of loneliness. I don't necessarily know who this, um, who this message spoke to tonight, but you know exactly, Lord, who, who needed this message. You know exactly who needed this word. So I pray that right now, Lord, in our times of loneliness, you would remind us that we're truly not alone because you are always there with us. And we want to be sensitive, Lord, to hear your still small voice. We know that you're powerful. We know that you work in miraculous ways. But we want to be sensitive to hear your still small voice, Lord. Your whisper is always close by. So I pray that we would have ears to hear and a heart that knows you care for us in our lonely days. I'm reminded of the passage that says, cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. So Lord, we come tonight and we cast all of our cares on you because you care for us. We thank you for Jesus' promise. The very last words Jesus spoke before he went back into your presence was, Surely I am with you always, even to the very ends of the age. So we cling to that promise, Lord. We hold on to that promise. And we know that you will be with us. May we just always run to you, Lord, when we're feeling lonely, when we're feeling stressed. And may you just fill us, Lord. May you show up, Lord. May you just shower us in your love and in your presence. May we run to your word because in your word there is life, there is truth, there is freedom. And we don't have to be bound by the chains of fear anymore. We love you, God. I pray that anyone here tonight who has feelings of loneliness, I pray that they would leave just feeling encouraged, that we would just expect and embrace, hey, we're going to feel lonely through this world but we know that we have a God in heaven who loves us and who is always with us, who will never leave us nor forsake us. We love you, God. Thank you for tonight's message. Thank you for teaching us, Lord. Pray that you would constantly just remind us throughout the week, we are not alone. We are not alone. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.